Ahoy there, me hearties, and welcome aboard Your Fest, the podcast that's all about festivals. I am one of your hosts, Long Johnny Silver, and I'm joined as ever and always by Captain Nobeard, Tommy Stewart. Tommy, how are you doing today? Gar. <laughs> how are you, Johnny? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I should probably say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I had no idea that was coming, so uh, we both had to look away. But you got through it. First take. Yar, I did. Why don't you tell these landlubbers what the format of the podcast is all about? Fucking hell, still sick of it. Okay, uh, this <laughs> this is a podcast called Your Fest, uh, which is a podcast about festivals, where every week we invite a different guest on to name their dream festival lineup. Uh, any band, any artist or act, dead or alive, they have to pick days of the week for said festival and they need a name and location. And our guest this week is the amazing host of the Bugle, host of the News Quiz. It's first mate, Andy Zaltzman. And we're looking forward to this, aren't we, Tommy? Looking forward to this, aren't we, Tommy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. Um... <laughs> yeah, we, uh, Andy is a good comedian. And um, I mean, this this one was, uh, John, John, this is Johnny's idea, actually. Uh, Johnny the Pirate's idea, because um, he's obviously a great comedian, but also is uh, test, the, stat, the stat man for Test Match Special. So sorry, guys, another cricket-related guess. So we get straight to it. Here we go, episode 24 of Your Fest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Andy Zaltzman, welcome to Your Fest and to the Your Fest planning committee. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm very well, very well, thanks. It's an honor to have been invited. Uh, have you been on many planning committees before? Not, not many. No, um, no. Uh, I had a couple of vague conversations with uh, with my wife uh, about whether or not we were we were going to have children. I think that's about as far as I ever got. To, <laughs> any, any form of advanced planning. I think that's much more of an important life decision than our hypothetical yeah. festival situation is. Yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember what role I had in that particular um, committee stroke panel. Um, but anyway, it all ended up well. We have we have two very nice children. But... Was it just you two on said committee? Uh, no, there were there were many, yeah, several <laughs> several hundred stakeholders involved. <laughs> We have a copy of the minutes, <laughs> just to run through. Yeah, I think they're online somewhere. Oh, that's very open process from the sound of things. Um, but we're not here to talk about children uh, as much as um, we would love to. Me and Tommy have very little experience in that area. I'll be honest with you. I've got Tommy four had... nephews. I've got four. Nephews. I thought you about to say your four children then, and that would, <laughs> that would have ne- that's never come up before. And no. I was like, this is not. This is not. We've been doing this podcast for what six months, and the yeah. <laughs> Um, so music festivals are you are you a fan of them have you been to many any I uh I don't know if I can say I'm a fan of them given I, I I hadn't been to any until I started doing comedy since when I've been to a few doing uh comedy slots but I've uh I've really enjoyed them I, it was, I grew up in Tunbridge Wells in um 
uh, and not particularly. I, I don't think anyone would describe Tunbridge Wells as an innately adventurous town to grow up in. And there, I mean, really, the idea of going to a music festival didn't really didn't really crop up in my uh, my youth. Um, but I've, uh, I've, I've, and also I have a, I hate camping, which is a bit of an issue. I, an issue. I believe that maybe humanity's greatest invention is uh, the solid roof. So <laughs> yeah, any uh, event that requires you to not have a solid roof voluntarily, uh, I, I'm not entirely behind philosophically. But I have um, uh, very much enjoyed the festivals that I've been to recently, partly because my wife and children do really enjoy camping so i can just about set aside my own uh, deep-seated skepticism of it so we've we've been to a few uh went to um uh, glastonbury one year where i did a, a stand-up set in billy bragg's left field tent um, oh nice uh been uh, I, I did a gig at the hop farm festival in um how oh, this is quite a long time ago now and bob dylan was uh, was on the next day uh so and uh, and we got to manage to get a family ticket. I can't remember if I was actually paid money as well. But I had to come back to London to do a radio show. So my wife and kids, and my kids were then probably, I don't know, four, five and three, uh, stuck around and saw Bob Dylan, who I've still never seen. I oh, had to do no. a horrific stand-up gig in a tent at about 1am uh, to a crowd of people who were uh, sheltering uh, or uh, bored or drunk or beyond drunk. <laughs> Um, so I had a thoroughly miserable time, and my wife and kids got to see a couple of days of free music, including uh, including Dylan. We've been to the End of the Road Festival um, two or three times, which is uh, uh, great fun and of a, of a manageable size. Um, so uh, yeah, so I've been I've been to a few now, but I couldn't call myself a, an aficionado or a, or an authentic festival goer. Are you a, are you a, are you a big Dylan fan? I wouldn't say I'm a big Dylan fan, but I'm enough of not a Dylan Bob fan. Not Will's level. Uh, no, I'm enough of a Dylan fan. Uh, yeah, I've not, I've not added a name in honor, in honor of him, which uh, <laughs> I mean, that's really taking it. And, and you know, had a Bob Dylan tribute haircut while coming steaming in to bowl at <laughs> miles an hour. Um, so, uh, uh, but no, I've, I, I used to, I listened, listened to him reasonably. But I'm, I'm not a, you know, sort of hardcore. Dylan fan, but um, I'm enough of a fan to have been annoyed that I couldn't I couldn't see him play. So and you're and you're ungrateful kids who yes. who are way too young to understand exactly. the genius in front yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. I think I'm still too young to understand the genius of, of Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> I've never never quite got it. I've, you know, he's come up many times on this podcast before, and I think this is the first time that I've expressed that uh, I don't I don't quite get it. Um, no, you know what? There's a weird thing. I'm kind of noticing some sort of correlation of uh i don't know if it is because of the bob wills thing but like cricket has been into because who's mentioned felix white mentioned him bumble mentioned him yeah <clears throat> and then obviously you've just mentioned mentioned but then he's such a thing with well like as i said with the whole bob, bob wills thing i'm a massive cricket fan and i love bob dylan although i saw him live in 2012 and i i don't think I couldn't audibly understand one word he said, like, <laughs> like Rolling Stone. It could have been a different song, genuinely. <laughs> I was like, I turned to my mates and 
I dragged them all along. And we were all 22 at the time. I was like, I think he's doing like a Rolling Stone guy. I think he, <laughs> is he? I wouldn't well, know. Yes, but I found that at pretty much every festival I've been to, I'm not sure I've understood a single word of any of it. You just got to hope everyone that's come to see you in the comedy scent has understood what you're saying. Yeah. And then yeah. that's fine. That's fine. It doesn't matter otherwise. Um, <clears throat> is, would you ever go to a festival where, or were you tempted to when you went to Glastonbury with your children, they like camping? you put your wife and your children in a tent and you go and stay in a hotel instead? Uh, I don't think I could do that and and look myself in the face again. I, th- <laughs> I think if you're going to go, you've got to at least, at least you've got, you've got to succumb to the tent. I don't think, I don't think you should, you should, uh, you should. I think that out. says a lot about you, Johnny, the fact that that's even sprung to mind. <laughs> well, you know, if you, if you're that determined to see Bob Dylan or whoever else, then, um, you know, let them go and camp. You stay in a nice plush hotel nearby. Get an Uber into the uh, get an Uber into the uh, festival. Leave as soon as it's finished, and uh, leave your leave your children and and, and wife behind. That's just my suggestion. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to run with it. That sounds like your ideal. I don't know. Well, basically, Johnny 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 isn't a fan of festivals. Right. I'm a fan, but like yourself, I'm. And especially the older I've got, the, the more and more I've gone off camping. So the concepts of this podcast are supposed to be one of us likes and one of them doesn't. Oh. And it's kind of like the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, camping is rubbish, actually. I'm the, I'm the devil on Tommy's shoulder, and I think I've won over the argument with you. Michael, Michael Evis Angel on, the other, on his other yeah. shoulder, I think. I've won Tommy over now. So um, welcome to the resistance. Uh, no, I... I still, you know what, especially after this, if if someone said you can go to Glastonbury, be on, there'll be a vaccine, you can go to Glastonbury next year. I think after this turgid year we've had, I, I think I'd probably bite your hand off for it. Right, I, th- I think after this year, people would go to people would go to Glastonbury even if there was no music yeah. and yeah. You know, yeah. n- n- just nothing. If it's just a stand in a field with some <laughs> sense of communal being, I think yeah. people would probably pay at least 150 quid for that. Oh, yeah. If Michael Levis is listening, there's a uh, there's a business plan there to take go. forward. It doesn't save, even does save a lot of money on all those ex- expensive uh, expensive has been. Doesn't need Taylor Swift anymore. Doesn't exactly need Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> um, obviously, would you ever go to a festival abroad though? Because that way you've got the weather. The camping's not quite as as bad because you're not going to get wet through and the the tent's not going to leak. So a festival abroad in sunnier climes might be a bit more to your your styles yes yeah i've not really thought of that but um i mean i'd happily do basically anything in spain uh i, I love going <laughs> to spain um as uh been on lots of uh, family holidays there so I'd, yeah a, a festival in spain when it doesn't matter whether you can hear the words or not i guess if because i don't speak spanish <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, no, I'd, uh, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd sign up for that i think yeah. Tommy, I don't know if you've ever mentioned on this podcast before, but have, have you ever been to a festival in Spain? I indeed have been to. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't been to many festivals in Spain, but yeah, Primavera. I, I think if we keep mentioning it every week, then I hope they'll get free tickets at some point. But yeah. Primavera is like a, a city festival in Barcelona where you don't have to camp. You know, you just stay in uh, you know, an Airbnb or a hostel, so it's much more preferable. And it's great because the music starts at about 6 p.m. and ends at about 5 a.m. Um, Isn't that just obviously... any day in Barcelona? 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. Um, so yeah, count, count, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it, it, it counts if it's not in a field surrounded by mud and misery, does it? Probably no. Probably not. <laughs> that's such an English outlook, though. <laughs> there has to be some sort of punishment if there's yeah. going to be some enjoyment. <laughs> but no, it, uh, go on, sorry. Mud and misery is a good name for a festival. If I ever put a festival that on, is a very good. Yeah. Modern misery is a good name for a festival. Yeah. Modern mis misery with headliner Morrissey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of misery for everyone involved. Um, <laughs> if Morrissey's headlining, um, but should we move on to your dream festival, Andy? Right. Um, do you have a, a name and a location for us? Well, I've got various options for for names. That's why we're a planning committee. Well, yeah. We can chip in. Uh, Foistival. Uh, in which the lineup is foisted on the people attending, whether they like it or not. Um, so you just book a ticket, not knowing who's going to be on. Um, then I thought, yeah, a festival with all the, the the trendiest acts, the hippest in acts called Infest. But then I, I thought, in in this day and age, maybe that is a slightly dubious name. Uh, fe fest up, in which you're only allowed in if you admit to a crime. Um, uh, repressed fest the most british of all festivals <laughs> um, or uh yeah it's just a festival that doesn't really tell you anything about something like ian the magic sausage or little johnny bang bangs boom bam bastic fun tech jamboree um so something one of those but i, I think i quite like the idea of a foistival i like uh, you have like no foistival. choice you have no choice you just take what you're given johnny <laughs> Yeah, I'm happy with that. I do worry that when the planning committee came together for your uh, the decision of your children, whether the naming uh, also went to the uh, planning committee <laughs> and some of the names you may have put forward for your, your two children uh, raises a lot of questions now. Yes. But no, I'm quite, I like, I quite like foist. Foist is a word that you don't, don't hear enough. I no, don't not think. enough. Not enough these days. Get Susie, get Susie Dent on the case. She yeah. can make any word popular nowadays. So, um, oh, I'd have her one of my headline acts, I think. <laughs> Susie Dent, in an people hour say of dictionary that, corner. Yeah, people often say they'll listen to somebody read out the dictionary. Get yep. Susie Dent. Oh, it's the phone book, but in, we'll go with Susie Dent and the dictionary. Yep. I think a lot of people will be quite happy with that. Yep, but, yeah, up there, you know, just like, you know this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and out of favourite words. Crowd going nuts. Any requests? Any requests <laughs> from anybody? She's, she's doing loquacious. She's doing loquacious. <laughs> Do something over nine letters. Yes. <laughs> oh God, it's the it's the in, in, introspective experimental stuff there. <laughs> she hasn't done Z yet. Oh, that's the, that's the encore. Don't worry, she comes back on to do all the Zs. Um, but no, Foistival's good. I do like the fact that yeah nobody knows the lineup until they apart yeah. from yourself and us as the planning committee know the lineup until they turn up because i think that avoids does that will that improve ticket sales that mystery that secret cinema vibe i think it could yeah, especially a, a, as we said like you know next year you could sell sell dead horse couldn't you you know yeah absolutely a very fire festival the fact that people have paid all this money and then the festival never actually a bit of a waiting for godot festival the yeah. festival never actually happens they just paid all this money in many ways you, you then rather than the festival you're getting a, a living work of art and surely that's that's got to be worth something isn't it <laughs> so this festival's also going for the turner prize so yes uh, <laughs> exactly. yeah, have a look. Very, um, there's a lot of people in stoke newington who would pay money for this <laughs> festival without knowing what's going on yeah <laughs> 
the trendiest festival going. Um, and do we have a location for Foistable as well? Well, I think um, bearing in mind that a lot of festivals can be slightly awkward to get to, you've got you, you know to make it you know, trendy to get a bit of uh, you know, social media traction. It's got to be in a very inaccessible place. <laughs> so my top two options are the North Pole and the International Space Station. So you know, if people do make it, then they really want to be there. So you get a very committed crowd. Um, alternatively, Lord's Cricket Ground, um, because you know, as a cricket, uh, well, a professional level cricket obsessive. Um, I think it would just be great to see a music festival at Lords, particularly would, if they made uh, all the MCC members attend. That's what I was, gonna, that's what yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> Who was uh, wearing it? Someone was wearing the... Andrew Neil was wearing a MCC tie, wasn't he? He was, he was on the US election night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've had... Uh, did Ellie have... Did Ellie Aldroyd have a festival in a... Ellie Aldroyd had it at uh, South the Hampshire Cricket Ground, right? Um, and Felix White had it at the MCG, right? So, it's so... Quite a, you've got a, quite a crickety lot of festivals. Now, other options are places that you know need to be lightened up by a bit of a uh, bit of music, bit of joy. So uh, you could have it in the Houses of Parliament, uh, <laughs> maybe even the International War Crimes Tribunal in the Hague. I think that would be. A... Because that's really had this been a bit too po-faced and serious for too long. Just lighten up a bit and then get back to business. Well, if mod- modern misery, if Morrissey's headlining, we should really have that in the Hague because yeah. I think he does have to answer for a lot of his crimes um, <laughs> sooner rather than later. To be honest with you, um, I quite like the International Space Station because we haven't had a, an out of uh, a yeah. festival that's taken place. Also, Andy, I, I, like, I like the ways Andy's given us like options. Whenever we've yeah. ever had this, it's usually. You know, people are pretty fairly set on it, aren't they? Just love democracy. <laughs> <laughs> and what a time we're living in for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's uh, the International Space Station? Would you not love to see a festival crowd in zero gravity? I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. That, you've got to see that, haven't you? Surely. I would... My natural inclination would be to go with Lords, but as we've had two in cricket grounds already, I, I think I'm with Johnny. I could go with the... Definitely go with the Space Station. Yeah. Where's it? Where's it based? The, the, oh, in, in space, in, in space, yeah. Oh. Um, up, upwards. Um, yeah. Just <laughs> up there somewhere. But, <laughs> and I don't know whether whether you'd you'd have your you know your acts on the space station and your because obviously it probably can't take you know a, a, an eighty thousand crowd or even you know, fifteen thousand end of the road style crowd. But so would you have your acts on the space station? And your fifteen thousand attendees in space, basically a mass space fest walk. What, like floating around? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I like that idea. It's getting better and better. I haven't costed it out, to be fair. <laughs> you just set the tickets like Elon Musk will pay millions yeah. for that. Yeah, you know, if he if he listens to this podcast, that festival will happen within five years. Yeah, and you and and. Classic Elon Musk, you won't get credited. No. He will I'm steal the concept. Yeah. I mean, he is obviously fictitious. We must, yeah, he, <laughs> I've said this many times. Elon Musk escaped from a James Bond film in the 1980s and has been roaming around in reality ever since. <laughs> fundamentally, <laughs> fundamentally fictitious. He's, um, he reminds me of, well, without as much of the personality, but he reminds me of, have you seen that episode of Simpsons of Hank Scorpio? Hi, Homer. I'm keeping two of my fingers crossed that you're going to have that nuclear generator up to full power by tomorrow. Uh, yes, sir. No problemo. Good. By the way, Homer, what's your least favorite country? Italy or France? France. <laughs> Nobody ever says Italy. 
I never noticed this office before. Why should you? It's mine. Uh, you any sugar around here? Sugar? Sure. Here you go. Sorry, it's not in packages. Want some cream? Uh, no. And it's like a, just a one-off bad guy. I, I've actually got a tattoo of him, but... Uh... <laughs> of course you did. Well, you? It, should, it should be expressed that Tommy's body is like a prison break, but apart, but not explaining how to escape from prison, it's just everything that's ever come up on this podcast, Tommy seems to have tattooed on. <laughs> have you got any cricket tattoos? No, I'm not, but I, I, I did, I've, I've thought about it. Yeah. But I, I don't know if... Um, what did I think about getting... I did. I do have a... Wait, what have we got? There's a cricket bat over there on my wall signed by right. Joe Root and Mark Wood. Which nice. was, um, I did think about... Because I work on Tailenders... As I think I told oh, right. you. Yeah, yeah. So I thought about getting the um like a chili, like yeah. which is like one, you know, one of the in jokes. Um, but then I thought, as much as I love that podcast and love you know working with them, I don't want to get like a tattoo of something associated with work. <laughs> 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 so maybe if I ever get sacked or quit, then then I'll do right. it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, sit, just sit at home in tears, just stroking your, your chili <laughs> tattoo, remembering the good times that you had with Felix and, and Greg. Um, you should get a you should get a one with a little star in memory of in memory. He's not dead, Jack Meach, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in memoriam of his uh, heroic one not out, yeah. which is oh. uh, on my very short list of best favourite cricket moments. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he's the call. Sneak on, scores a level. Actually, at the Tellenders live last year, he was there and he was such a nice guy. But then. As is, as I've often found cricketers, you you I, I mean I I want to just ask them all these questions about like you know who's the best player I've ever faced what what are people like in nets and he just wants to talk about football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like you yeah. see Stuart Broad on Twitter it's like all he tweets about is is football or NFL. I'm like you're not watching the IPL, mate. Like <laughs> it's a bit of a busman's holiday for them to then go and watch. I watch suppose, the cricket, so. isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. But um, so we're off to the International Space Station. I do like the idea of them just floating around watching it. Like, yeah. you know, that's how people at Glastonbury a lot of the time probably feel anyway. Very yeah, that's true. And it would make crowd surfing absolutely incredible. <laughs> <laughs> See how many of these superstars have the balls to jump off a space station and trust trust people not to hurl them into an eternal orbit. One of the things that does 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 sort of panic me about the fact that we're trying to hold a music festival at the International Space Station, just the one um, at the moment. Um, when I put the post about this up on Instagram, I tend to tag the location as where the festival's being held. And I don't know if anybody's ever created the International Space Station as a, a location on Instagram. So right. They must have. You know, must Tim Pete goes on about it enough, doesn't he? Yeah. So he's, probably, yeah. he's probably tagged himself up there a couple of times. Wait, did you do... I, I know you posted it today, but the episode today really... Uh, Chris Warburton. Did Fort Boyard exist as a location? Fort Boyard list was listed as about four different locations. I don't know why it's, uh, you know. But should we get on to the, um, oh, we need the days of the week for your festival to take place oh. as well. Um, I guess right. it doesn't matter when we're orbiting the Earth. Um, time becomes but a... Not really, but as a as a, as a a cricket fan, you wouldn't want it to clash with a test match. Uh, now, I mean, traditionally, of late, test matches have been Thursday to Monday, though mess around with it a bit these days but mm -hmm. so i'll probably stick 
I'd, I'd stick my festival on Tuesday and Wednesday, just Tuesday just in case. Okay. Yeah. You can't nice. miss cricket for a festival. Although I did go I'd, at the um, and this is something that I'd, you know I do, would we'll, we'll get on to is what I want in my festival. I do want a cricket match in <laughs> in my uh, in my festival. And um, I went to the um, the Wilderness Festival uh, in Oxfordshire a couple of years ago, and they had a cricket match between superheroes and villains. <laughs> People in like full superhero and villain villain uh, fancy dress. And right. It was a huge crowd. I mean, I thought this is the rebirth of of cricket as such a <laughs> mass sport. But you have to have people dressed as Stalin, Spider <laughs> Man. That's that's probably what the hundred will look like, won't it? Yeah. Like, sponsored so, by Marvel. Yeah. I think at one point there was Jesus bowling to the devil, if I remember. <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember what happened in that. Was it like pre-arranged? What was what was the standard like of, of cricket? It was it was it was okay, and uh, you know there was a sort of full commentary team, and uh, I think there was oh, really? a scoreboard. It was uh, yeah, it was it was great. I can I can hardly hardly recommend that. But if, if at my festival, I want yeah, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, albeit that I just said I don't want it to clash with a match. Uh, that would be one way around it to have a, a test match as part of the festival, just like a full-on England versus India five-day test with a oh. little bit of music so the music would be during Excellent. lunch and tea breaks over five days albeit this is now in space <laughs> it is going to make it's going to make sixes a lot easier i think yeah, and catches really. a lot harder so <laughs> but, but if you do matches. pull them off they will be spectacular <laughs> <laughs> before we, just before we move on to the acts um i think we've asked this a couple of times but have you ever been to a, a gig or, or a you know not a festival a cricket ground because they're quite popular nowadays especially me and tommy both live in manchester and old trafford tends to give way to a lot of music festivals a lot of concerts nowadays is it something that you've um you've experienced oh what uh, music at a cricket ground no yeah. I, i've uh no i don't know i haven't no um uh, uh no, no i don't think i have I mean, apart from at the, at the cricket world cup and this uh, emphatically doesn't count um they had a uh, the cricket uh, they had the they had um uh guitarists coming on and playing an an elect, a cricket bat that had been converted to an electric yeah. guitar yeah. every time a boundary or a wicket fell and i i went to over 30 games in that tournament for the for the bbc radio coverage and i came to loathe these cricket bat guitarists with i'm so glad you said a, that a visceral so... intensity there was a I... Oh, it was it was so it was every time anything exciting happened you wanted to you know, hear a bit of crowd atmosphere you know the game was building up the tension was mounting what were the crowd how were the crowd reacting no you you just had to hear some guy playing a, a medium quality Guns and Roses riff yeah yeah and it, yeah it's just the, the there was it was I don't know four or five different riffs every day it was back, for six like back weeks. in blacks back in black yeah. sweet child of mine oh um, uh, white stripes um, I, I think I only went to two matches in that World Cup, and even that was enough. I'm watching like most of it on TV. Yeah. Um, and but me and me and my mates had we had so many questions. Like every time we just you just think this is the most daft cricket thing ever because yeah. it's some, someone someone's obviously thought like from the ICC's thought this is a this is cool this is a great idea like the kids are gonna love this. And he's just like you say, he wasn't even like a particularly good guitar player. Well, there were a few of them. There were some that were better than others. There were a few yeah. 
spread around the grounds during the tournament. But we were just like, where's where's he? Like, where they come? Like, how much are they getting paid? I had so many questions about that. Yeah, and I mean, he did really ruin atmosphere, particularly in the the final. Yeah, it was unbelievably tense, but he never really felt that tension because there was this (laughs) unending barrage of. Intrusive music. The, the, the most excited atmosphere was when I think Butler hit three twos in three balls, and the place went nuts. And you thought, oh, they don't have, they don't have a musical sting for a two, so you can actually hear what the crowd thought. Well, I have a bit of a I have a bit of a thing about stadium. I'm a bit of a dinosaur about stadium music. I think. What, what about the? I, I don't mind like the IPL though when they just have that one that horn. You know. Da, 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 yes. da, da. Yeah. Because it only only lasts about two seconds. Yes, and uh, although well th- this year with no crowd, it's uh, I don't, it's, it's felt particularly ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, and I went to some of the some of the the the, the one day games in uh, England's summer where with no crowd due to due to COVID, and yet the same music to stir up the non-existent crowd. And I, I couldn't work out if I thought this was was it for the players. Ch- I don't that know was, if it was yeah. kind of uh, trying to kind of create normality or if it was just harrowingly emphasizing uh, the pointlessness of crowdless sport <laughs> how was it how was being in the in the bubbles during the summer well it was uh, it was great fun to be honest i mean it was the obviously strange throughout and you know the whole point of sport is professional sport is that people want to see it and get excited by it but on a personal level it was it it was great fun. I got to got to watch six <laughs> test matches in I think eight weeks. Um, so which was uh, pretty much overdose level, I think, if that's possible. But um, it was. Um, and, it's yeah, not. To, it's not possible. No, it's not, it's not, not possible. On test cricket. So uh, yeah. yeah, it was uh, obviously. Yeah, it was very odd, and we were sort of cocooned from all reality uh, within this within this bubble. Um, so it was uh, it was uh, a relief from from. Uh, what normality had become. It was good seeing you on TV as well. The you know BBC back on. Yes, yes. Yeah. The BBC coverage of the the the, the twenty twenty games. They put me in the in a, a, sort of in a little cave, which was yeah, in a yeah. in a truck in a car park. So I was <laughs> I was near a cricket match, but not able to to see the cricket match. But it was. Uh, Is that actually where you were? You were yes, yeah, so I was in, in a, a I was in a truck. Just you know, I was sort of fifty yards from the boundary, but in a truck. <laughs> I didn't realise that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's my ideal way of being at a festival, I think. Just sat, yeah, in, yeah. A, <laughs> sat, sat in a truck, no one else yeah. around, but it's still going ahead as normal. That's perfect for me. Well, I mean, that, that could be, we've seen you know, Joe Biden's victory victory speech at the uh, the US election with everyone sitting in their cars. Maybe that maybe you know, that will be the future of festivals in the COVID era that everyone sits Driving in a truck. Driving festival, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they tried it, they did it in... Uh, like Denmark, didn't they? And uh, like just in in airports, essentially, and but kind of very distant. It just like, don't know. It looked weird to me. It just felt seemed like it felt a bit strange. For it's weird for the concert goes, but mainly for the artists. I think like if you're yes. just performing to about a thousand cars. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that's what the festivals for Transformers were like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so should we move on to the first day of Foistable? The Foist, yes. the fir- that's hard to say. The first day of Foistable. Um, 
what 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 is the day looking like? I know people that are paying for the tickets up to the International Space Station aren't yeah. going to know what it looks like, but yes, we're privy yeah. to it. So, uh, what's the first day of the, the Tuesday well, of Foistival looking like? Uh, it's just going to be wall to wall blues, um, and uh, yeah, because blues I think will work particularly well in space <laughs> because you know it's a it's a genre of music that is sort of contemplative and re- reflective, and you know as you listen to blues and look down on the earth from space i think it would be quite a transcendental feeling um but I, i've always loved blues from when i was a, a teenager and i don't, can't quite remember how i got into it because i don't remember my my parents listening to it but I, I got a muddy waters tape when i was about 14 and growing up in T- tunbridge wells <laughs> and um i just absolutely loved it and i thought uh, uh, muddy waters would headline i, I think everything gonna be all right this morning yes, Oh yeah. yeah. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Now when I was a young boy, yeah. at the age of five, yeah. my mother said I'm gonna be the greatest man alive. But now I'm a man, way past 21. I'm allowed people from uh, beyond the grave. I'll tell you oh yeah, this. yeah. yeah. So I think I'd, I'd have a day of uh, a day of blues and uh, have a, a headline set from uh, from Muddy Waters. So it's, uh, I mean, it, and I wouldn't even want him to. Uh, we talked about how you can't understand the words often at live music, and I think that with Muddy Waters, I don't think he even needs to use words. Just do you know the set? The sound of his voice is like like mainlining liquid truth. So I just stick him up oh. there with a microphone. And, what a beautiful uh, sentence! Yeah, it was. Uh, so yeah, so he'd uh, he he would headline by. Uh, and who? And anyone else? Anyone else you want to shout out for? But um, building up to him during any other blues acts like during uh, the day. Well, I, I saw Peter Green at the Jazz Cafe about fifteen years ago. He died. He died um, uh, earlier this year. Need someone's hand to lead me through the night. I need someone's arms to hold and squeeze me tight. Now when the night begins, I'm out of them because I need your love so bad. Um, the the Fleetwood Mac guitarist and I, yeah. it was um uh yeah i find his uh his stuff bewitching and um so he'd uh he'd be there otis span who i think peter green played with a, a, a blues pianist um i'd have him him uh in the lineup i saw at the the ain't nothing but blues bar in london many years ago uh 
Sugar Blue, the self-styled Jimi Hendrix of the harmonica. Uh, he was pretty spectacular in a, a crowded, tiny little room. Um, it, uh, so, uh, but yeah, just any, any. I'd be happy with pretty much, um, pretty much any blues, frankly. Just when he uh, when he's described as the Jimi Hendrix of the harmonica, does that mean he's what, playing it upside down, setting it on setting fire, it fire. Yeah, playing it with his teeth? Um, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know, is it possible? It could be quite hard to set a harmonica on fire. <laughs> and, st and still play it at the same time. Incredibly yeah. difficult. Well, um, um, do, do, when you saw Peter Green, does he, does he still do like the early Fleetwood Mac stuff that he. Yeah, he did. Uh, he had a. Um, uh, God, I can't remember the name of his, his backing band, but he was. Uh, yeah, he, he was. Yeah, there was a, it was a, a mixture of, I think, old and, and new stuff. It was a long time ago now, but he was, you know, still had that sort of. Uh, Oh, the sort of elegant expressiveness I think that he was renowned for. Um, so he'd I'd probably throw Hendrix into the mix as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, crank out some of his classic, classic bluesy numbers. <laughs> Would you have him play any of it on a cricket bat? Uh, well, I might try to reclaim the cricket bat guitar from the indignity <laughs> that suffered during the, the World Cup. So, yeah, let, let Hendrix, Hendrix oh, God. I, I, I don't know why I just thought this, but I'd, I'd be so upset if any of those, uh, <laughs> those cricket cricket bat guitar playing blokes are listening. Because... Uh, yeah, sorry. I mean, no, it's no, no question um, of you personally. Uh, no, well, I, a little bit, but not that much. Uh, it's for all the people who did Because at the first game, I thought, oh, that's quite a nice idea. And then I realised they were going to do it every single game and every single wicket. I thought, that is <laughs> no, nice. I, I totally agree, Andy. I just, I, I, um, I don't know. I'm just thinking about their, their life probably really, you know, that would have yeah. been the peak of their... I, I, I don't want to... I'm, I'm thinking too much about them and I, I'll probably go to sleep at night thinking about what they're doing now and then <laughs> feeling guilty about if they're listening to this. So, uh, but I agree, they were so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> the, the hypothetical wide-ranging audience of this podcast has gone from Elon Musk at one end to <laughs> the guys that played cricket bats at the Cricket World Cup at the other end <laughs> and everyone in between. But on, on Muddy Waters, you say you started listening to him as like a 14-year-old in, in Tunbridge Wells. Were there many other of your friends and peers that were, were really into Muddy Waters, or was it just you? No, just me, really. Um, and there weren't many of my friends and peers who were really obsessed with Test cricket either. So, yeah, I was quite <laughs> used to you know, having a hobby that no one else really cared about. <laughs> um, so what, what, what were your other friends listening to when you were listening to Muddy Waters? Um, God, I can't, I can't quite remember. Um, uh, well, it was, I had a bit of Morrissey, probably, you know, the Smiths. Um, 
Smiths and playing football, not, yeah. not, not muddy waters and cricket. Yeah, I, I can't remember entirely, but but uh, I got I got into muddy waters and John Lee Hooker and um and there was I remember my parents got me some blues compilation tapes for my birthday one year that had um an amazing uh, harmonica piece by Charlie Musselwhite called Christo Redemptor that uh, I still listen to. Chapel Snooks Eaglin, which is one of my favourite names in uh, oh. in blues. And I think one of the n- nice things about uh, the internet age is that you can sort of find all these things that are a bit harder to to uh, to come across now. But... Did the um, Did you ever think about taking up the harmonica yourself? Because um, well, apparently it's an instrument that anyone can pick up and get a tune out of. I think. Yes, you can get a tune out of it, but whether you can get a good tune out of it is <laughs> different. I have I have various points tried to play um, harmonica with. Uh, uh, it did used to make my dog howl when I was uh, when I lived with my parents. Um, That's one one fan. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Um, hey, I used to uh, I, I I used to have one, and I would I'd make my brother. It was when I was like fourteen, fifteen. I was in a massive Dylan phase. Um, it, it wasn't pre-internet, but it wasn't you know like Amazon Prime click click of a button where you could just get something, and I was looking in music shops for the thing that Dylan had, you know, where he hold, oh, held yeah. the harmonica. Um, but some, sometimes I just make my brother stand there and hold, <laughs> hold the harmonica at my uh, at my face <laughs> length and play Dylan. <laughs> well, I, I, another, That's another a good person, brother for you. Another person for the blues lineup, Eric Burden, uh, from the, the Animals and... Um, Oh, yeah. Solo crew. I'd have him. One of my favourite blues, blues voices. And there was a there was a Scottish blues band that I remember listening to Bob Harris on the radio in the early nineties called Jumping the Gun. And they only released one album. They had a sixteen year old girl as the singer who had this incredible, slightly Janis Joplin esque voice. And um, you know, they just released one album. And uh, and I've no idea what what um, what they did subsequently. But it would they, it was a, they, in fact they did a cover of turtle blues by janice joplin that was uh that was amazing but uh i think you can i think that's you can find that online now as well probably on cd still as well scottish yeah. blues yeah <laughs> and now we're uh jettisoning them off into space to yes. uh, to reform yeah, yeah. and uh, and play at your festival um should we move on to unless there's a cricket match between obviously these are these are people these are all taking place in the tea breaks and everything yes yeah, if i remember yeah. rightly um moving on to the second day um yeah. of your festival um what's the uh what's that looking like for us well um i, I want to see some uh some collaboration uh in space and indeed in the world so i'm going to have a few unexpected duets which you often get at festivals don't you people turn mm-hmm. up on each other's stages uh, so I'd have uh, Franz Schubert, the uh, 19th century uh, songster um, and uh, all-round composing whiz, uh, teaming up with Boney M. Um, because, because when 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 we were kids, we didn't have a lot of music in the house. I think my my, my dad 
grew up in South Africa in the 60s and he was quite into music. In fact, he, he, when he moved here, he he saw he saw Hendrix at the Albert Hall and took my my mother on a date to see Grand Funk Railroad, which uh, I believe was the closest they've come to splitting up. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I don't want no sympathy. I think his mum threw out all his old records and he, I don't think he ever fully recovered. So we had a very limited musical collection, but we did have a greatest hits of Boney M tape. <laughs> so that, that's kind of, I've still got it all lodged in my deep childhood memory. So I'd like to see them teaming up with Schubert, uh, you know, another, you know, you know, classical modern mashups, given that we're allowed people who are dead. Yeah, um, you can what you want, mate. The, the two Bays, Beethoven and Beyonce. I think that would be a <laughs> Uh, maybe throw Benny Hill into that, make it a, a, a I mean, a, you could say something for everyone or a lot for no one. Um, you know, Mozart <laughs> and Jimi Hendrix, I think we'd all pay to see that. That'd oh, be absolutely yeah. Sensational. Uh, Public Enemy featuring Angela Merkel. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting that you get these kind of cross genre collaborations uh, festival. So, yeah, uh, weirdly enough, I was watching um, James Brown and Pavarotti do. Yeah. A man's world last night. This is a man's world. Ow. Really nothing. 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 A woman I think it was I was editing one of the episodes and someone had um someone had James Brown and um came across that video, which I've watched quite a few times and I'm not sure yeah. how I feel about it. And it's pretty amazing to be fair. Yeah. Um and what's the other one? Oh yeah, Alton John and Axel Rose, that was another weird one. Um but I, I mean I I like collaborations and yeah. especially I'm I'm especially interested in the the uh Beethoven and Beyonce one. Yeah, I'm um, the just the TV audience for that would be absolutely off the scale, particularly in this place. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you have a death, you know, some de death metal and and teen pop. You know, have praying necromantis or the gut slicer, morbid idiots, uh, to a death metal bands I've just made up with uh, <laughs> uh, pop starlets S Club Seven. Because a little known fact that the S in S Club Seven stands for Satan. Yeah. <laughs> I thought so. I mean, yeah. I've never had confirmation, but I'm glad. Very much the subtext. Of, uh... up, there, up there with uh, Kiss allegedly standing for kids in Satan's service. <laughs> really? Allegedly. 
but I think it's one of those where if you play a record backwards, it's given a secret. Me- Although, to be honest, if we played Hendrix and Mozart together backwards, I think there would be some deep-seated secret messages that they'd be sending from beyond the grave. <laughs> yeah, what was the what was what's the classic one of the playing it backwards? Stairway to Heaven, isn't it? Stairway to Heaven, and it's like it's supposed to be some message about Satan or something. But if if you're writing such a complicated eight-minute song, like I don't know. I know they're very talented, Led Zeppelin, but you'd have to really think about it (laughs) to get a whole, like, subtext of in reverse as well as this amazing complex song around. I know uh, most of of Carly Rae Jepsen's songs have a hidden message about neoliberal economics in, if you play them back. (laughs) (laughs) Call me maybe secretly a a call to... uh, you know, defunding, uh, <laughs> defunding police. Um, perhaps who can say? You 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 seem quite a buff on this. Are you are you, are you uh... well, on music played backwards? Yeah. Well, we had a we had a record player at home that only went. <laughs> are you a fan of when when uh, at festivals these musicians come together with one another, or do you think it's a bit played out now? Uh, sometimes it seems a little gratuitous, but I, I think it's always interesting. I've always also quite, you know liked. You know, sort of cover versions, you know, the idea of, you know, one people sort of taking other people's ideas and giving their own twist on it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't mind it. Uh, I, yeah, but I would definitely like to see Beethoven and Beyonce on the same stage. And um, I don't think I'm alone in that. <laughs> no, I, don't, I, I, I can. I'm just trying to think of the logistics of it. Is, is Beethoven, Beyonce singing, obviously, yeah. dancing, doing a usual thing. Um, yeah, I'm going. How much I'm going, like getting involved? Are they also depends how deaf he is? So let's go for early, <laughs> early pre deafness Beethoven yeah. hammering it out on it. I mean, you've got to give him modern equipment, he would have an absolute array of, of synths. I think if you if you gave him you know 1980s keyboards, he would go absolutely nuts for it. Uh, that well, you know what? This is exactly what um, the Magic Gang said when they came on, they said they would have Hendrix, but. He had hypothetically survived and lived through the 80s because they said he would have made some absolute bonkers stuff and some absolutely <laughs> terrible stuff in the 80s, but you would absolutely love to see it. Yeah. So Wait, is, there okay. an expe- is there an expectation that Beethoven would, would join in with like the Crazy in love. routines? Yeah, doing a bit of single ladies and some formation and things like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and is he still in the full regalia that we've come to expect as well? Of course he is. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> you don't want to throw away his branding just because <laughs> he's back from the dead. Not selling out, dressed like Elton John behind his piano. I kind of want him like dressed up like you know Beyonce, like one of Beyonce's dancers or something. Right. Yeah. I know he can. They can do half and half. Like maybe she can go in his regalia as the first half of the set, and then the second half they can swap it around. This is sounding better and better. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, and just on Franz Schubert, would he with Boney M? Uh, yeah. Would Franz Schubert be miming like Boney M allegedly? Um, <laughs> well, I guess they'd probably just work out what 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 worked best for them. <laughs> Obviously, Boney M. Some of the, you know some of the leading musical historians of their era as well um and you'd expect schubert would want them to you know do a song about 
you know, early 19th century European politics as well as you know, the Russian <coughs> Revolution and, and the various other political issues that the M touched on. So um, <laughs> it would be uh, just whatever works, really. What, 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 whatever. I mean, he, he was, you know, a famous. So, I mean, he was. Some people say he was, you know, the he was, he was the father of the pop song Schubert. With his, uh, he wrote hundreds of songs. Cat- oh, really? Yeah. Um, not, I mean, not quite in uh, in the Boney M style, but you know, they're all part of a you know of a continuum through creative history. He's actually he's actually one of the credited writers for um for Wigfield Saturday Night. Did you know that, Tommy? Uh, he, yes, he is. <laughs> is it right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I thought it had a bit of Schubert about it. I just yeah. um, I'm, I'm glad we can put our finger on it. What? How? How was he? You know, how did that come come about? Like being uh, branded as one of the modern like did he for instance did he write like three and a half minute songs with verse chorus verse chorus yeah well basically yes i think i don't know a great deal about it but um uh he, he did he wrote um yeah over 600 songs and he when I mean, he died at about 30 of syphilis and it, as I, mean, I don't know quite how people got so much done in those the, the amount of music written by people like him in often quite short Sure. I guess it shows what you can do before the internet came into existence. <laughs> uh, games console and that. People just got down to business and got stuff done. So, um, yeah. well, maybe because also they knew their life expectancy was short. So, like, right, I've really yeah, got to pack it in. Pack it in. <laughs> the label want me to write four hundred more songs before the end of the week. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know how many of Schubert's songs were just toothpaste slogans, but um... <laughs> you think? Do you think if uh, if we were to bring Beethoven, Mozart, Schubert, etc., back, how soon it would be before they were being employed to write jingles for for radio and things like that? Well, they would go with, go with the money, isn't yeah. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Sell out. <laughs> um, um, why not? Why not? And they need to like find a way of. I know it's it's like that whole Beatles conundrum, isn't it? Like that film yesterday, and it's would they if we'd never heard their songs, and you know Beethoven came back, would would the songs be in the charts if he just uh, tried to you know put them on his? And he said MySpace then, but that's not really thing. <laughs> put them on his SoundCloud. Uh, yeah. Would Beethoven or Schubert be getting number ones? I don't know myself. Beethoven gets a viral tweet and then he's just replying to it with check out my SoundCloud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what did did you have any more was it just the, the two days? The just, well it's just the two days before the second test begins. But um Okay. Uh, uh, one uh, one other band I'll throw in uh uh is uh, it's a genuine band that I saw at a festival um called uh, the the Big Moon. Yeah, so uh, 
that was uh, we, we took our kids to the end of the road. I was doing a sitting there on the comedy stage, and we just wandered into a, a tent. And I think my daughter was maybe nine at the time, and she absolutely loved them. And then we went and they got, we got their first album the next year uh, when it came out, uh, and their second album came out. I think it was early this year. And um, th- so they became my daughter's first sort of band, and she uh, absolutely loved them. We both listened to them a lot, and they're a, they're a terrific band. I think their debut album had a Mercury nomination. We went to see them supporting Bombay Bicycle Club in Brighton at the start of the year, and oh, uh, bump, and they 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 were on the same train back up to London as us afterwards. This was in the, the pre-lockdown time. Did you speak so my, to them? Yeah. So yeah, my da- daughter got a little photo with a with a couple of them. So it was. Um, oh. So that would be a, a personal choice, a genuine band. For my, for and my, with the turn. space theme, it, it works. It works quite exactly. well, doesn't it? The, the yes. name. <laughs> so let's have them headlining the whole thing. <laughs> we, uh, they're actually. I think when me and Johnny first discussed this podcast, they were actually one of my first ideas as a yeah. as a guest. So, I mean, hopefully, we still get them on. I, I know my friend, my friend Jess used to be their tour manager. So we hopefully have an in or if if not you, if your daughter can ask them if she's still if she's still in touch <laughs> if we bump into them on another train then yeah we'll ask yeah. No, I'm, a I'm a big your fan your daughter's equivalent of Muddy Waters then <laughs> yeah how <laughs> yeah. yeah. a Bombay Bicycle Club as well because I'm a, I'm a big fan of that oh, they, were, they were good it was a really good uh, uh, yeah good um, good gig and there was uh, Liz Lawrence was on uh, as the opening act, who was who I'd not seen before. She was very good. So yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was good, good. Good. I think it was basically my last day out before lockdown. So um, yeah, it was, uh, wow. it was uh, yeah, it was a big moon. Was terrific. I think we we literally got in, the Tailenders live in Manchester. I think it was probably a week a week before lockdown. Even then, because that was what late February, early March. It, it's it's crazy how quickly it turned around because. We were like, this doesn't, this feels okay. It feels like a bit strange, a bit odd that we're doing this, but then, and then life went (laughs) within two weeks. It's just, yeah. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that. We try, we try and avoid COVID chat on here, don't we, Johnny? (laughs) On that that note, I just want, has any research been done into the infection rate in In space? space. Because it could still, it could, that could be the future of festivals now. Or just everyone going to space. Yeah. And I suppose if you're in your like in your space suits, you're fine in terms of you can still hug people because you're pretty. Are you, are, you, are you suggesting the whole thing has been a conspiracy by Elon Musk and Richard Branson to sell tickets <laughs> to space? Or has it been a big conspiracy from you to get people to buy tickets to voice? <laughs> We finally got to the bottom well, of it. To be, to be honest, th- neither of those is the most ridiculous conspiracy theory we've heard. It's actually not. Yeah, it's actually. Honestly, if you told me if, if 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 someone said that was the case, Elon Musk had and Richard Branson have done this. You, with the, the way things are going, you wouldn't just flat out say refute it. I don't think. I, I wonder if I was to put out a tweet that said, "Coronavirus is a conspiracy started by the Bugles and his Altman in order to sell tickets to this <laughs> fictional." Festival, festival, which is taking place in, in on the International Space mm. Station. I wonder how quickly Twitter would put one of those content warnings about spreading misinformation on that. <laughs> as quickly um, as if I was president of the United States. At the moment, I think. <laughs> well, oh, they yeah. just got someone with it all. I think it's just on an automatic response now, isn't it? <laughs> when this episode comes out, I'm going to test that theory. And see, uh, I'm going to tweet that piece of... Uh, what we're going to uh, lightly, politely term as misinformation at this point, and uh, and see what happens. But 
Yeah. Oh, also, I was going to add one more thing before we um, before we go through it. Or what what would be the what would be the dream test match that, that that's on? Oh well, I guess if I can have uh, people from the, the past. Oh. Yeah. Any oh, any could, any two yeah. teams from uh... maybe the first ever test, England Australia, eighteen seventy seven. <laughs> <laughs> was a classic game, uh, or uh, Beethoven was probably there, wasn't it? Yeah, I've got maybe one of the the nineteen oh two Ashes was an absolute doozy. So maybe let's let's dig them up, dig up the uh, England oh, no. Australia from nineteen oh two and uh, or the Bodyline, the Bodyline series. Body line, that'll be feisty. What's yeah. that? Thirty one, thirty two, thirty three. That was yeah. Well, no, in fact, at the first ever uh, Test match, uh, Beethoven came out after every wicket and played. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. I think as well, going through those test matches, I think we've overlooked one of the greatest test matches of all time, which was, of course, Heroes versus Villains at Wilderness Festival. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just another yeah, shout yeah. out to that. Yeah. Uh, but Tommy, do you want to run through Andy's uh, festival lineup? Yeah, Andy's Olsman's uh, Your Fest is called Foistable. And we had a lot of options of where it could be, but the planning committee decided to put it on the International Space Station, uh, which I uh, brilliantly, well, rather humiliatingly asked uh, where that was. Uh, <laughs> the festival's held on Tuesday and Wednesday, so that we're, we're in time for the test match afterwards. And the Tuesday lineup is wall to wall blues. So we've got uh, Muddy Waters, Muddy Waters headlining, uh, Peter Green, Eric Burden, Sugar Blue, Jimmy Hendrickson. They're playing some of his more bluesier stuff. On the Wednesday, it's a collaboration day, so we've got Franz Schubert and Boney M. Beto, Bayday, well, Bay Hour, whatever, Beethoven <laughs> and Beyonce, um, Mozart, Mozart and Jimi Hendrix, and then headline the big thing, the appropriately named The Big Moon, who are a brilliant band as well. Andy Saltzman, thank you for coming on your fest. Thank it's you. It's been, been a pleasure. I look forward to the festival itself. <laughs> <laughs> on a couple of extra tickets free, please. <laughs> no uh, problem. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> thank, uh, thank you very you much. Right. That was episode 24 of Your Fest with the incredible Andy Zaltzman. He had some great puns for us, some great music and a little bit of cricket for Tommy Stewart. What was that voice? But yeah, no, it's great. Uh, what a lovely man, what a gentleman. And obviously I'm never going to complain when there's a bit of cricket involved. Uh, but great episode and probably one of the hardest festivals we had to put on logistically, but we got there in the end. Yeah, I'm afraid to say that there might be a very little atmosphere at that festival. In <laughs> nice. Woo! Thank you. That's another joke. We're on to three jokes for the podcast. Mm -hmm. But if you enjoyed this episode, you can follow Andy on Twitter at Zoltz Cricket. You can follow Your Fest on Twitter and on Instagram at Your Fest Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, but not Instagram, at Johnny Gabriel. And you can follow Tommy on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Andrew Stew. And we'll be back again next week for episode 25 of Your Fest. Ahoy there. Ta-ta. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.